Then you will truly be success. Turn the page. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. Oh. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. To those who love God, keep God's word on your lips. To those who are called, meditate on day and night. According to Be His purpose, to do purpose. it's His purpose, Ooh. not mine. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. And we know all things work together for the It's day two of our 90-day challenge on purpose. We're still in the book of Genesis and today we're reading Genesis 26, 1 through 25. Genesis 26, verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land, besides the previous famine in Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give you all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give all of these lands and through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees and my instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. When the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister because he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah because she is beautiful. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she is really your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? Isaac answered him, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the men might well have slept with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people. Anyone who harms this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father, Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar, where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father, Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. 
Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, The water is ours. So he named the well Esek because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well. But they quarreled over that one also, so he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. Today, our subject for your consideration is dig another well. On September 8, 1986, the Oprah Winfrey Show debuted with a show titled How to Marry the Man or Woman of Your Choice. Four months later, Oprah sat down with Mike Wallace in an exclusive interview on 60 Minutes. And during that interview, Oprah said something that still gives me chills. As she recapitulated her stardom in Baltimore as an anchor, Wallace looked at her and in speaking about the new success of this new show, he says to her, so what do you think? And she said, I know now that I am where I am because I always believed I could get here. Always believed it. So this show that just getting underway nationally. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's going to do, it'll do well. And if it doesn't? And if it doesn't, I will still do well. I will do well because I'm not defined by a show. You know, I think we are defined by the way we treat ourselves and the way we treat other people. You know, I would be wonderful to be, you know, acclaimed as this, you know, talk show host who's made it. That would be wonderful. But if that doesn't happen, there are, you know, other important things in my life. And all of this was powerful, but the greatest part of this interview was when Mike Wallace asked Oprah to predict the outcome of her new talk show. And she leans in and she says, it'll do well. To which he responds, and if it doesn't do well? And she says, if it doesn't do well, I will do well. She said, I will do well because I am not defined by a show. I think we are defined by the way we treat ourselves and the way we treat other people. She goes on to say, it would be wonderful to be acclaimed as this talk show host who has made it. That would be wonderful. But if that doesn't happen, there are other important things in my life. Welcome, everybody, to one of the greatest masterclasses on purpose. Who knew that a few sentences uttered from Oprah's lips three decades ago will become a self-fulfilling prophecy? We now know that The Oprah Winfrey Show became the longest-running daytime television show. We now know that Oprah's nationally syndicated talk show remains the highest-rated talk show in American television history. We now know that Oprah received 47 Daytime Emmy Awards, and Oprah has earned billions of dollars in the process and has helped countless artists, authors, and everyday people become millionaires themselves. The words, I will still do well, are important. Oprah knew something that most of us only come to understand at the end of our lives. What she knew and understood was that she was the gift. She understood that purpose is not tied to a position, power, or prominence. Purpose is about perspective. Purpose is an inner disposition, not an outward obligation. My friend, purpose is an inward disposition not an outward obligation. You are the gift. You are the favor that brightens the jobs where you work. You are the it factor that gives color and jazz to the rooms you inhabit. You are the gift. 
and you're the one that makes everything around you better and you will do well. But if what you're doing right now doesn't do well, you will still do well. How do I know? Because your purpose is not constrained to one well, to one position, to one location. With this in mind, I want to slowly walk through the details of Genesis 26. You know, sometimes, admittedly, as a preacher, I'm guilty of rushing to the preaching part and I miss the practical principles that are hidden in plain sight. Genesis 26 begins with some breaking news. A famine is in the land. That means the account is in the negative. That means the cupboard is nearly empty. That means the savings account is drained. The emergency fund is gone. And the natural thing to do would be to run. That's what Isaac intends to do when he calls King Abimelech up to grab some coffee from Starbucks. They're going to meet. And his plan is to exit now before the famine exacerbates his resources. But God stops Isaac and says, don't run. Running won't fix it this time. Running into the arms of Egypt won't help you. Running to your easy fix won't fix you. I want you, says God, to stay in the land of famine and flourish. How is that for an oxymoron? Genesis 26 and 3, and I'm paraphrasing, it says, not only do I want you to stay, Isaac, but I want you to stay for a while. Now, listen, Isaac, even though your finances don't feel it, and even though many days will be different and difficult, I will be with you. I, the Lord, your God, I am your social security. I am your insurance policy. I, the Lord, am the only policy holder who can give you insurance and assurance. Stay in this land for a while and trust me. Off the strength of my promise to your father, Abraham, I will bless you. Isaac stays. But even in his stay, Isaac gets scared. So Isaac lies and tells men that Rebekah is his sister. He is committed to staying, but he is afraid to tell the truth. He commits to the assignment, but assumes God needs his help. So he lies and God still blesses him. He deceives the king and God still covers him. Twice in Genesis 26, we see that Isaac's blessing was not an overnight success. So I'm sorry to tell you this, but I might as well tell you now that you're starting this challenge early. Purpose in 66 is not a curriculum that promises if you do this or if you do that, then after 90 days, you will experience immeasurable success. No, God is not a genie in a bottle. Neither is this challenge. Sometimes God will tell us to stay in the famine so that we can still see God's hand in the middle of a hard place. Genesis 26 and 8 tells us that Isaac has been there in this same place for a long time. While he is there waiting on the Lord, Isaac plants some crops. Most people planted crops for food and for income. So Isaac's seeds were not magical. But his obedience to the hard thing positioned Isaac for an unexpected blessing. He had no clue that God would sprinkle blessings over those crops and cause him to become wealthy. He had no clue. Just like many wealthy people now, they, they can't tell you when middle class switched to upper class. They can't tell you exactly when the millionaire status switched to billionaire. All they know was it will do well. And if it doesn't. I will still do well. 
Isaac's success became a threat to those around him. The Bible literally says that the people around him envied him. So much so, the king who once begged him to stay commanded Isaac to move away because he had become too powerful for them. Let me break this down. So in the beginning of Genesis 26, God tells Isaac not to run. In the middle of Genesis 26, Abimelech tells Isaac to move away. The lesson I gather is simple. If you run away, you will quit because of fear. But if they tell you to move away, you must obey. Do not stay where you are not wanted. So many of you can relate to Isaac. I mean, I can. You didn't ask for this. You didn't ask for the blessing or the burden. You didn't even want to be where you are right now. But when Abimelech and the Philistines find themselves threatened by your presence, you need to bless them with your absence. When Isaac moves, favor goes with him. When you move, favor will follow you too. Why? Because you are the gift. You are the secret sauce. And the moment that you forget that, you will put more energy into the land or the location over the well you should be digging. I wish Isaac's sojourn was easier, but it was not. Even after he moved, opposition met him at every well he dug, but he decided to dig another well. When he landed in Gerar, he opened wells that had been dug before. In other words, he didn't have to start from scratch. It wasn't as hard as he thought it would be. And if we want to be technical about it, the Bible doesn't even say Isaac dug the well himself. In Genesis, it says, 2619, Isaac's servants dug the wells and discovered fresh water. This tells me that you can only go as far as your team. This tells me that if you are feeling overwhelmed right now, maybe it's because you are digging alone. Maybe you are trying to settle in a place God wants you to move on from. Maybe you are bending over backwards to fit inside of the regulations of a box too small for you. Maybe you have put more emphasis in what you do over who you are. Maybe, just maybe, you need to dig another well with people who love you as you. Purpose is about digging another well. When you walk in purpose, wells never run dry. Dig with diggers who want fresh water, not honorable mention. As you dig, make sure that your motive remains pure. Personally, income is not the most important factor in my purpose equation. In my book, success is about outcomes, not income. This does not remove the importance of income. Income is important. This does not negate the reality of having to make a living. All of that is important, but I refuse to allow income to become my idol. My goal is impact. In the same way, purpose thrives when the well digger is more committed to the who than the what. So stop asking, what will I make if I do this? And start asking, who won't be served if I don't? Finally, I am clear. Some of you read all of this just to hear these two words that we see in Genesis 26. Move on. Stop begging people to tolerate you. I used to accept anything. I used to apologize for my quote unquote success. Now I know much better. And now that I know better, I'm on a mission to help others realize the truth about their value too. Listen, I know many people spend all this time telling you what 
you don't deserve. But let me tell you what you do. If you reap what you sow, then you deserve a you. You deserve someone who will love you the way you love others. You deserve undivided attention in a world filled with multitasking. You deserve a good morning text and a good night kiss on the forehead. You deserve someone who will listen to your heart and not just your words. You deserve honor. You deserve to be the reason they smile when you walk in the room. You deserve to be the reason they hang up and call somebody back. You are the gift. And if you're not getting that, you need to move on. Today, I pray that as you create space in your calendar to dig another well, that you will experience fresh water and fresh peace. Let's get to work. So what is your purpose work today? It is to dig another well. Write down in your journal what other wells you have not dug because you've been giving all of your attention to somebody else's. Today, carve out space to list the untapped wells within you. If you had more time, what would you give attention to that you've been pushing off? Who helps you dig? Who, after you speak to them, causes your baby, metaphorically, to leap? Include those persons in this digging project and then trust God to water your seeds at the right time. Let's pray. Elroy, the God who sees me, help me to pray with my eyes open. Deliver me from micromanagement and small thinking. Free me from the chokehold of fear. Reveal the wells you want me to dig and help me to stop digging in places where no water abides. Grant me, I pray, the courage to keep going even when it feels like I'm digging in vain. You are the source of my strength. You are the strength of my life. Help me to keep my who before my what. Holy Spirit, monitor my motives so that income does not become an idol. Help me to move on. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm closing chapters, I'm turning pages, glory to glory, and from faith to faith.